Many organizations struggle when it comes to communicating and realizing their business strategies. Many workers don't even understand the strategies in their own company. Welcome to the North Star with William Ulrich. Find out where your organization stands, what you might be doing right, and where you can improve. Now, here's your host, William Ulrich. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, William Ulrich. You're listening to the North Star. Feel free to contact me by email on LinkedIn or at my website, tacticalstrategygroup.com. Today, we will be discussing cybersecurity, neutralizing threat risks with my guest, Janana Kampara of KDM Analytics. You can find links to material referenced in our discussion today, including a link to Janana's company, KDM Analytics homepage, on the North Star Radio Show page of my website, tacticalstrategygroup.com. Janana Kampara is CEO of KDM Analytics, a company that offers automated cybersecurity assessments. Janana has more than 30 years of experience in software security engineering. She serves on the board of the Object Management Group and co-chairs its Systems Assurance Task Force. Janana previously served on the Technical Advisory Panel of the National Institute for Standards and technology, or many is known as NIST, and as a board member of the Canadian Consortium of Software Engineering Research. Previously, she was CTO and board chair of Clockwork, which she spun out from the Nortel Networks, securing funding and establishing its customer base. Janana has been awarded four patents, uh, US-based patents, for groundbreaking static analysis and formalization techniques. She graduated from the University of Sarajevo, with a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science. And you can contact her at, and I'm going to spell her first name, uh, D as in David, J-E-N-A-N-A, at KDM Analytics, all one word, dot com. Uh, so uh, welcome to the show, Janana. Hi, Bill. Thanks for inviting me. Is there anything that uh, I missed or you want to add to your, um, your introduction there? Well, after so many years uh, of the work, right, being older person, yeah, we can talk, uh, whole show can be about my experience, but let's not go into that. Maybe just add one uh, little thing is that in the last 20 years, 25 years, the time kind of more focused on cybersecurity, the last 20 years, we've been working with, uh, close with the federal government because that was always a big issue for them and they understood. For everybody else, was uh, for other industries, it was more cost than uh, protection. <laughs> so, mm, right. uh, so that was the kind of main reason why we started with federal government. We were on the same wavelength, let's put this way. Right. Yeah, and uh, um, yeah, that is good. And, and I know we're going to talk some more about, about industries, but the... Um, uh, the federal government work is obviously one where um, cybersecurity, I think, is raised its profiles a little bit higher there, and they're Absolutely. more yeah. serious about it. Um, not that not that the other organizations shouldn't be, but uh, that's one of the challenges, right? That's exactly right. Um, they are waking it up um, now. In the last few years, they start to wake up and uh, uh, realize what's happening, and uh, <clears throat> more and more of them start to uh, turn to cybersecurity more and doing some protection and doing certain things. But I don't think it's at the level that it's supposed to be whatsoever. 
Right. Uh, there's a lot more that needs to be done. Okay. So let's cover a few basics for everybody out there so uh, we can get everybody on the same page. So uh, first, uh, I want to talk about cybersecurity, exactly what that is. Well, just in uh, very basic terms, there's the, um, those are the protection mechanisms deployed in cyberspace um, to safeguard your assets or information against compromised and compromised being, let's say, unauthorized or criminal practices. Okay, let's look at the one example, let's say everybody's uh, um, uh, aware of it. Um, let's look at financial assets. How do you protect them? So what are the financial assets? That could be your cash, could be um, a deposit account, banking account, stocks, bonds, and so on. But some of these are living in the cyberspace. Uh, for example, your account lives in the cyberspace. So what do you need to do to protect um, uh, what kind of protection mechanism you need to deploy uh, to protect that asset for you, that financial asset. So uh, that's the kind of basic uh, thing about, uh, you know, uh, cybersecurity. So it's, it, those are the protection mechanisms. Okay. And then uh, we, we talked in here about the uh, threat risk, threat risk vulnerability. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Um, those are ex actually considerations that you need in order to protect your assets and information or services if you're a company against exposures, uh, again, exposures to unauthorized or criminal practices. So, for example, uh, threat sources, um, threats or threat sources, who wants to get hands on your, in the previous example, your account? Um, you need to figure out, you need to find out um, if you want to see how to avoid those um, or protect yourself from those threats, protect your assets from those threats. You need to know who are they. Um, and those threats actually, where I see lots of organizations, they focus on, and rightly so, on outside threats, right? But they don't uh, focus at all on inside threat. So inside threat, for example, within an organization would be, you know, your employees, they could be malicious, they could be clueless or careless, you know, you need to consider that type of threat as well. And, and we don't see that much, right? right. Uh, look at that, um, uh, for example, colonial pipeline, right? What happened? Um, and was exposed through the uh, credentials, right? Uh, the compromised credentials. So how these uh, credentials got com compromised? Um, most likely was from the insider threat, right? It's uh, either was maliciously disclosed or it could be just a clueless or careless employ employee that disclosed something like that. And that led to the ransom, um, ransom uh, sorry, ransomware um, software being uh, installed inside of the computer network and uh, encrypted um, all their information. And uh, um, that's how they were exposed, right? Um, so, so that's the one thing that you really need to uh, take care of as well as from the you know, threats, outsider threats, or malicious outside threats. Um, from the risk perspective, um, that's the all about um, 
means and opportunities for each of these threats to launch the attack. And, um, and what is the as well uh, chance that that attack, when they launch it, it's successful? So um, you need, in order to, you know, to eliminate the damage and you figure out what would be um, exposures and, and so on. Um, vulnerability is all about state of being exposed to the harm or, or this risk. So these are all considerations that you need to take in account when you are looking into how do I protect myself, okay? Mm -hmm. And one of the things is, it's, it's interesting, uh, Kim, uh, by, you know how people um, very often download some application and uh, install on, a, on the computer, they, uh, uh, and there is a um, EULA, which is the end user license agreement, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it talks about, um, and, and I actually printed one out. It was very interesting. When you actually download something to your computer and, uh, and you need to click on that, um, you know, license agreement, and they usually say, you know, you are assuming all the liability, whatever comes in this software is as is, right? But think about, and now you are being, once when you uh, download that, you basically can be exposed, right? So think about something like that going on the airplane and um, that the airplane is put together as is, right? And uh, uh, your flight attendant is giving you something um, as a EULA to agree to it. It says this, and these are exact words of, the, of that EULA. Um, these flight services are provided as is without warranty of any kind, either express or implied, including without limitation, any implied warranties of condition, defects, use, fitness for a particular purpose or use. You assume the entire risk arising out of use of permanence of this service, performance of this service. Think about that. Yeah. Would you, <laughs> would, you would, would you go on that plane? Would you go oh, on that plane? <laughs> I get up and walk off that plane at that moment and, and leave. Uh, yeah, that is that is absolutely terrifying. And that's that's pretty standard language, right? That's pretty standard language. Yeah. When you when you download something on your computer, um, that's the language you get. You take off and you go go on. So now you might be exposed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so this gets into a little bit on then the question of software assurance, right? So how do I know that that software or that any systems assurance, right? So that, that any uh, technology that I'm going to use or procure or license or install, uh, how do I know that it's, it's uh, you know, not, not has, it doesn't have vulnerabilities or, or open to threats, right? That, that's a question. So uh, can you talk about systems assurance a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, you know how we were looking into threat, risk, and vulnerability considerations to uh, figure out, you know, uh, how protected we should be. So, this system assurance is another level of that cons consideration. And because you need to understand uh, what's the level of confidence that you've done this threat, risk, uh, vulnerability assessment properly. And so that protections, that, that risks that you uncover, they are those risks and there is nothing else, 
And so that when you do protections against those risks, right? So that you basically know that you are protected. Of course, there are some risks that you, that it's low, uh, enough low for you that you're not going to consider protection against. But at least you know that you looked at it and you made a decision. So it is in the decision-making process uh, how well uh, I understood my process, I uh, did the risk assessment, and how well I protected myself. And anything else that it's still out there as a risk, I willingly accepted it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so removes any uncertainty in, mm-hmm. in a way. So you are aware of it. So that's the, that another level of uh, uh, consideration when you need to protect and how you need to pro- protect yeah. yourself. It, it sounds, uh, you know, like a critical element. And, um, you know, I, I, I know about it and familiar with it through the work that you've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes I wonder, I'm not sure that, that it's, it's, a, it's, it's as common of a practice as it maybe should be, systems assurance. Yeah, is it? It, it is not. It is not. It is not. So whenever you are doing the risk assessment, we shorten the threat, risk, vulnerability assessment, we shorten it into the risk assessment. So when I talk about that, I, I mean, when I talk about risk assessment, I actually mean everything threat, risk, vulnerability assessment. So when you are doing that these days, um, it's very, um, it's usually service-based and it's very ad hoc. Um, It's not systematic and comprehensive as it should be. And um, how systematic and comprehensive it is, you need the system assurance to understand that. Um, And if you don't do that, everything else is very much ad hoc and uh, leaves you exposed to, a, to uncertainty. Um, and of course, stakeholders uh, based on that just accept the risk that you know, they don't even know that exists. Right. right? Um, and that's, that's, that's the big problem uh, that we have these days, um, the, this totally ad hoc way of uh, doing the risk assessment because it's a it's a service base and although you have all those frameworks you have so many frameworks uh, adopted in the world across the world and uh, different frameworks um, and they but they're all uh, descriptive right mm-hmm. they're not um, how would I say they're not structured or formalized in such a way that you can do um, that you can do the, uh, that you can computerize it. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the uh, basically organizations are still doing very much uh, um, risk assessment as a service. Okay. Um, there and whoever is doing a service uh, very rarely uses some uh, automated tools. Mm-hmm. So what we are trying to do uh, within the object management group, as you know, we're trying to move that uh, into the more out of the automation, mm-hmm. so um, so that risk assessment can be um, can be at uh, how we call it um, at the I- industrial um, um, strength. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, 
Yeah, the, so the one thing that needs to be said here is that when you are doing uh, threat risk vulnerability assessment, there is no one tool or one organization that actually can do everything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you need to have arsenal of the tools and products in this area to put them together to give you end-to-end -end automation. And mm -hmm. that's only possible through the um, standards. Okay. Uh, yeah, and that that's important. And just uh, for listeners, we... Um, we did have the head of the OMG, Richard Soli, on an interview a handful of uh, weeks ago uh, to talk uh, in the big picture about standards. So uh, you've got a position paper out from KDM Analytics on cybersecurity. Uh, it says it's getting progressively uh, more complex. Can you just talk about that? Well, yeah. So one of the things is, um, if you remember, we started like even 10 years ago or 20 years ago, we talked about IT, a lot about IT, information technology, right? And uh, we were all about security of the networks and uh, within an IT area. Well, today we have OT in addition to IT, which is the IT information technology. OT is the operational technology. Right. Um, so now you have fridge talking, right? You have <laughs> yeah. your thermostat talking, um, you have your um, uh, lights talking, everything is talking over internet, right? Um, and everything uh, and anything can be exposed and uh, it's fair game for the, you know, criminal or any unauthorized practices, right? And uh, so you need to protect all that. Um, mm -hmm. And how do you, you need to protect yourself, number one, from, from this, right? Right. So, um, and how do you do that? And uh, it's, um, it's very complex. OT is integrated with e IT. Mm -hmm. um, so it becomes, OT, uh, e IT was so huge. And now, in addition to that, you have OT. And you think, if, you are, if I'm protecting myself, you know, it's like, look at the spider web. And in that spider web, one little node is you, but everything around you is connected to you in some way. Right. So how do you protect yourself uh, from everybody else around you? It's very complex, complex question, right? right. Uh, I think we'll pick up on this um, uh, after the break. Uh, it's time for our first break. Uh, you're listening to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We're discussing cybersecurity, neutralizing threat risks with my guest, Janana Kampara. And we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you having trouble articulating your strategic objectives? Not sure if your program investments are aligned to your strategic vision? Wondering why your six, seven, and eight-figure program investments seem to evaporate into thin air, even as your business teams are left to add more people, take on more risk, and take heat from unhappy customers? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich can help ensure that your strategic objectives translate into sustainable, successful investments. For more information, visit our website at tacticalstrategygroup.com. 
Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at Voice AM Business. Again, that's at Voice AM Business. And stay current. Your organization is spending seven, eight, or even nine figures annually on transformation programs. And you're questioning the bottom line business value. You were told not to worry. We've engaged the best system integrators, and they said all is well. Has your IT organization become a black box where money goes in, but nothing comes out? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich has seen every side of this story, from upfront happy talk to painful post-mortems. Find out what's really going on. Visit tacticalstrategygroup.com and ask about TSG's Transformation Oversight Service. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the North Star. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. That's wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. Now, back to the North Star. Here again is William Ulrich. Welcome back to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. You can reach me on LinkedIn, email on my website. We're discussing cybersecurity neutralizing threat risks with my guest, Janana Kampara. Uh, before break, Janana, we were talking about uh, complexity. You were using the, uh, uh, the analogy of a spider web, and um, it is everything's connected, right? So, so yeah. um, it's, very, it's, it's getting more and more difficult. Um, is, are there situations where an organization may not even know that it's under attack? Of course. Yeah. Of course. They don't know, especially if they are not monitoring um, uh, threats, right? And right. sharing information. You need to be part of the uh, network of the sharing information regarding the threats. And, right. um, and you need to monitor your own, uh, um, your own network and making sure that you understand what are the risks and what risks are you are taking from what risks you are protected and so on. But that's an interesting question. Um, one of the things is, yeah, the systems are becoming so, so complex, right? Mm-hmm. And that they, everything is connected. Um, and it's not just that you need to know what you are doing, but you need to know what others are doing, what, the, what risks you are assuming around yourself outside of your uh, uh, perimeters, right? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things is, and these are the cross-borders, um, and I'm not talking just cross-borders of the uh, countries, right? But cross-borders of the, in a sense, of the organizations and so on. But... There is a one. Uh, one of the things is uh, when we were on the object management group uh, uh, researching on the risk frameworks, right? So we looked at is something like two dozens of the risk frameworks um, that includes the each country has its own risk framework. By the way, mm. for example, UK had has CRAM, France had EBIUS, uh, France and had as well Mehari. Um, Spain had uh, Margaret, Um, Canada has um, HDRA, which is harmonized threat risk analysis. Of course, the US has a NIST and so on. And there are some ISO standards as well. ISO standard, for example, it's mostly in the energy sector is a very popular one, 2701 and so on. 
And we looked at it when we did that um, examination of all these uh, uh, risk analysis frameworks. Well, um, number one, there's a no interoperability between them whatsoever. And very few approaches deal with discernibility concepts, right? And so that, you know, that why, why is important discernibility is it can be automated. Um, and um, very few, almost none, are very systematic or enough systematic to provide assurance. So if they are not interoperable, and, and uh, so when, when you apply one of those risk assessment in your country, and uh, you are passing, uh, you know, information to organizations in the different country, let's say that we are talking about energy here, and DSOs, which, the, you know, they, they exchange this information, how do you know that their risk assessment uh, will, will be in a way um, very similar to yours? Mm-hmm. And whatever they come up with the risks um, are actually exactly how you would, uh, if you repeat yours, you would come up with the same risks. You don't know that. Right. So how much, if you don't know, how do you trust somebody else's framework, right? Right. And um, so, you know, these days we are enforcing, there's all lots of descriptive frameworks that, uh, basically uh, shows you how to do the what's the methodologies and how methodology and how to do that in the steps, but really the it's a, a very subjective when it comes to interpretation. Mm-hmm. So what you do is still very much ad hoc. It's not systematic, and uh, when you exchange even information on that. Um, it's um, how good that information is, how complete that information is. So there's a lots of things. This is very complex area um, to kind of uh, uh, put together, right? And uh, to to put the people and processes and methodologies and right. uh, uh, level of the trust, all that together in order to um, you know to protect yourself. The the, the harmonized threat and risk assessment methodology, it sounded like they tried to harmonize things across multiple perspectives, but did that, is that, is that not the case? I'm, I'm just, was the, the name caught my eye. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no it's, uh, it's not, but, but uh, the HTRA is one of the better uh, frameworks. It basically the deals uh, deals with um, uh, it's, it's, it's more systematic than others. Mm-hmm. Um, EBUS is more discernible than the others. For example, um, uh, and so on. So when we were, now we are trying to take through the OMG another standard in, in our task force, which is System Assurance Task Force, and it's the risk meta model. And when we looked at that, we wanted to basically make sure that uh, we deal with discernibility, we made it very systematic and comprehensive, um, so we merged with, we looked at the, uh, merged some of these frameworks like HDRA, NIST, and EBIOS that are better, more or less, uh, better than others, and uh, merged it, integrated with system assurance. 
So that gives us that comprehensiveness, a systematic way of uh, addressing the risk. Um, so that's the, we've done that. And uh, we basically looking into how now uh, standardized on that, we're gonna be coming up with the new standard uh, of the risk meta model so that it's shared um, among everybody else and the tools could be built on top of it. That, that's fantastic. And, and, you know, again, if, if people haven't listened to the, um, the show where I did interview and, and, and cover standards and their importance, uh, I'd go back to that. I, you know, that, that, that just as an aside, that, that is an effort um, that you're working on in terms of uh, standardizing on risk and, and providing the ability for more tool vendors to automate uh, around that standard. Um, that's an area that I would see as critically important and that where you would want, you would hope that you would have the support of a lot of organizations out there. Do you have, are there, is there some government engagement with that particular standard? Um. Well, yeah, in, uh, in, in some way, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work with the government um, and uh, we test this, um, uh, test this models, right? And mm-hmm. we build tools as well as, you know, KDM Analytics is all about uh, automating threat risk vulnerability assessment. Um, so we build the tools um, and uh, we basically demonstrate how this would look like and we take it to the government and test with them. Okay. Um, and uh, of course, we, uh, we, are, we are all about making all these tools based on the standards because we do understand one thing. As defenders, we got to in some way um, share information and talk to each other. And that's not happening. And on the other side, when you look at the, from the hacking perspective and, uh, you know, offenders, um, they talk to each other, they share knowledge and they, uh, um, you know, by sharing knowledge, they build knowledge on each other. On, in our side, on defender side, uh, we are trying to monetize uh, lots of things. So we got to, and, and it's, you know, of course, it's a free market. So we got to do that and we got to protect our own IP. But if we work with the standard organizations and we build the standards around that, we don't have to share IP, but we can share information and build um, a solution, end-to-end solution that way. And I think that's very, very important. Again, as I mentioned, there is no one tool or one organization that can address a whole cybersecurity space. We got to work together and connect these dots so that seamlessly we can automate the whole process and basically become better than offenders. Right. Because we have to be 100 times right, right? 100% times right. Mm-hmm. Offender can be only one time right and he is in or she in into our uh, computer compromising our assets and so on. And we have to, from the protection perspective, we have to be 100% right. So it's very hard. And right now, um, you know, um, they are winning. (laughs) So we got to turn that, uh, um, that play the other way around. Yeah. Your, your example earlier about um, uh, the, the, the company, uh, I think oil and gas uh, was the industry, but um, it, it's a, it was well-known, well-publicized. I think it was in uh, 
the northeastern uh, U.S. where yeah, Colonial uh, Pipeline, yes. Yeah, and That's and there were actually, you know, they that that was actually the operational technology that was out there that was yes. that was controlling flow, and they actually had um, a situation where, uh, you know, it was cutting off uh, flow. Is that is that accurate? Yes, yes. Basically, the their services were crom- compromised, right? Um, yeah. Cut off completely. So think about if it is in the middle of the winter, and uh, you know you right. need the services and the um, uh, end users or you know of that of that service would be affected uh, big time. So this is really important. I know ten years ago when I went. Um, we went to Calgary. There was a big um, um, conference, uh, oil and gas, and I was trying to promote uh, security. And they were saying, we don't need security. I was <laughs> so puzzled at that time and surprised. Um, they, they were just saying, there is no point. There is no, that's just the cost that we don't need it. Um, that changed. Uh, I have to tell you, in the last several years, it changed. But I, I, I just have to tell you how, you know, it wasn't that far ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the history that they were saying, oh, that's not something that we would be needing. Um, and now, yeah. Um, so it is it is big uh, eye-opener, any of these mission-critical systems. Everything is on IT and right. uh, OT connected and um, uh, needs to be protected um, in, a, in, a, in very, again, I'm stressing, systematic, comprehensive way, not ad hoc. Right. Uh, and, and the sharing of, I want to just go back for a minute to the, the sharing of information that, that is uh, the, of, of, you know, risks and that the risk meta model, one of the things that that is hopefully going to be able to do is to allow the, the, the uh, tools to exchange and share that type of information, which in, in theory would then allow organizations to uh, share and exchange information. Is that, is that accurate? That's correct. And yeah. uh, so organizations would be able to know if, if the other organization that I'm connected through the, um, you know, uh, network, right. um, uh, if that organization did risk assessment and tells me that, you know, it's protected in a such a way, I can trust that information. Right. right? And, and, and uh, so I can accept that, that we are connected. Um, so, you know, especially that's the, when it comes to the energy, the, the, the uh, protecting the grid, um, all these um, um, utilities are connected at right. the end of the day, right? <laughs> and if there is one failure, uh, it's cascaded failure, right? You, we all know that blackout um, back in yeah. beginning of 2000, right? Yeah. Um, that how it was cascaded failure. Failure started with one and just cascaded. So um, they have to be connected. And uh, being connected, that means they have to speak same language when it comes to the risk assessment and protection. Uh, It has to be exactly same language. So it it can't be one of those, uh, ha-ha, my competitor got it, because tomorrow it could be you. If you're sharing this information, then it it protects all of you together, right, as an industry. Right. Exactly. Um, so exactly. you talked about, uh, you know, oil and gas. Uh, you, you just mentioned utilities, um, which is another area which should, it, you know, uh, worry people a lot. 
because if those go out, that that has a huge impact on organizations. Uh, in general, our utilities um, uh, now getting more of the message to uh, invest in this more in 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 you know cybersecurity. Oh yes, absolutely, they do. Uh, the question is how much actions they take, right? right? So everybody is now talking about it, right? But. Um, I have sometimes, you know, um, hiccups when, uh, when I see some of these cybersecurity, um, um, how would I say, um, um, cybersecurity issues and all that. It's addressing um, uh, in utility, addressing engineers, addressing that are power engineers, but not cybersecurity engineers, you mm. know. Right. <laughs> and it's always like from that perspective, uh, we know as, uh, you know, engineers for the, you know, power engineers, we know what we need. Uh, not really. Uh, you know, I had, uh, I joined one of the industry association uh, where we talked about uh, cybersecurity and uh, we wanted to put the paper out and it, I was um, surrounded with uh, um, power engineers and they told me only thing that they need is the encryption. That's it. That's from cybersecurity what they need. Well, no, <laughs> encryption is not going to cut it, right? right. And um, so, uh, but I'm not sure that they completely understand the uh, complexity of, uh, of the space. Yeah. But um, yeah, we need to talk about it uh, more and they need to understand that one of the, my biggest, uh, um, you know, I still admire that Stuxnet, right? Mm -hmm. It was nothing to do with encryption. Right? Mm -hmm. They were hacked in uh, that Stuxnet is multi-level um, um, vulnerability exploded uh, the exploitation in the Iranian uh, nuclear plant, right? Mm, okay. Um, when they, yeah, it was done. Um, uh, it was a brilliant, brilliant um, uh, warm, uh, cyber warm, right? Okay. That stopped the uh, centrifuge of the uh, nuclear plant in, in um, Iran. And it was, uh, warm was uh, built by uh, US and Israel. Um, the complexity of that was uh, just fabulous. Um, right. And, but, you know, plant was uh, totally uh, isolated. It wasn't on the public internet or anything right, like right, that. Right. You know, encryption wouldn't do anything. Right. Uh, it was carried uh, with the USB stick. Oh, and, okay. uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Put in it that was original. Later on, um, other computers were um, infected and uh, were brought into different other plants. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about government when we get back and then talk a little bit more about the industry. So you, uh, we'll get a quick break. You're listening to The North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We're discussing cybersecurity, neutralizing threat risks with my guest, Janana Kampara, and we'll be back right after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you having trouble articulating your strategic objectives? Not sure if your program investments are aligned to your strategic vision? Wondering why your six, seven, and eight-figure program investments seem to evaporate into thin air, even as your business teams are left to add more people, take on more risk, and take heat from unhappy customers? 
Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich can help ensure that your strategic objectives translate into sustainable, successful investments. For more information, visit our website at tacticalstrategygroup.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Looking to enhance your business architecture skills, become a certified business architect, or align your team to a common approach? Check out Business Architecture Associates. Industry pioneers and co-founders Wendy Keen and William Ulrich have trained thousands of business professionals, turning beginners into practitioners and practitioners into experts. BAA offers in-house and public business architecture training for individuals and organizations with more than 20 courses to choose from, including the Business Architecture Bootcamp, popular mini-course series, and custom workshops. BAA can create a learning path for you and your organization. Why learn from the rest when you can learn from the best? Check out BAA's course offerings at businessarchitectureassociates.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the North Star. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to WMMulrich at TSGConsultingInc.com. That's WMMulrich at TSGConsultingInc.com. Now, back to the North Star. Here again is William Ulrich. Welcome back to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We're discussing cybersecurity, neutralizing threat risks with my guest, Janana Kampara. Um, I just want to finish off the conversation of, uh, you know, we, we talk about, you know, governments and it goes multiple directions. Yes. But uh, the, the, the risks are coming from both, you know, there's, there's the traditional hackers and then and, and more, very sophisticated hackers. And then there's also governments, right, that are going not just after other governments, but also going after uh, private sector in some of those countries, right? So the risks are coming from every direction these days, yes. that, right? That's correct. I mean, uh, we're dealing with, uh, just to look at the statistics, how many daily attacks are. Um, and I don't have a um, latest one, but we're talking about not just thousands, but talking about hundreds of thousands of attacks. Um, wherever there is a value, right, mm-hmm. offenders will go after whatever is benefit for them. Uh, they have whole business model around that. And they now on that uh, dark side, they are selling the um, uh, ransomware tools so that you can right. attack. So that's their business now. Um, so um, business model. So, um, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. And, um, and as I said before, they only have to be right once and they uh, collect the benefits. Um, and we as defenders, we have to be right 100% of the yeah. times uh, in order to defend ourselves. So just to reiterate one point, and you talked about, you know, the, this impacting everyday lives. We talked about, you know, if somebody shuts off your power, or shuts off the, uh, you know, the supply lines for, for oil and gas. 
it's a huge thing, but I don't think a lot of people realize that the new vehicles that you buy, you know, yeah, we talk about driverless cars and those getting hacked and they certainly, and and I believe that's happened, but even more than that, if you buy a new vehicle, uh, people don't realize it's uploading data and downloading things. It's connected to the networks and and people don't realize that. So that opens up a whole new avenue of, of opportunity, right? For these, these hackers. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, um, it was several years ago, I, I don't remember exactly when it was done, but um, that basically you could manipulate the brakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can imagine you are on the highway and, uh, you know, down uh, speeding up and uh, somebody manipulates your brakes. So um, that was, uh, that happened several years ago. Right. And I've heard the, I've heard the automotive engineers say there's no way they can break through the, uh, you know, they can break through into the operations of the car because of the security walls. And, and, and that's not true, right? No, no. Uh, security and, walls always can, you know, go right, <laughs> right. If somebody can get through, anybody can get through. So um, uh, think, I, about, I, think about, think yeah. about, Bill, think about, I, I cannot stress enough uh, insider attack. Mm-hmm. No firewall will protect you from that, right? Right. Right. And uh, so you've got to know your employees. Uh, you've got to trust your employees, right? And, and the line between, you know, malicious and clueless and careless, it's very blurry right. because anybody can claim, I'm sorry, I didn't know, but did he did that uh, or she did that on purpose or really didn't know policy and didn't comply with policy because it was clue- he or she was clueless or careless? Right. Well, no. So, um, you know, so the credentials are leaked, right? And when credentials are leaked, uh, you break those uh, uh, firewalls. Yeah. My, so, my last, yeah, my last federal uh, job, I had to take a, uh, every year, um, this is a contract I was on for about five, five years. And um, every year we have to take a security uh, uh, quiz or yeah. test. And we had to pass that. And it kept, it, and, and you take that a few times, it reiterates in your head, you know, um, there's a whole lot of different ways that you can uh, accidentally, um, you know, breach a company's security. And, yes. and, you know, they, they uh, fishing expeditions and all kinds of things. So, you know, I don't recall any, any, you know, I don't know if private sector does that, but uh, certainly the, 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 this is the U.S. federal government, but they certainly should be making everybody aware, as, as you were saying, because of the inside. And again, it's, it, it's not necessarily that they're, they're misbehaving. It's, it's that they just weren't paying attention, didn't know, uh, hadn't been taught to do otherwise, right? Yeah, there are some uh, very basic cybersecurity hygiene that you have to mm-hmm. comply with. And the organizations have to basically have uh, policies mm-hmm. and put together. And, and uh, training is one of the key things there. Um, uh, training, uh, policies, um, solid backups, because mm-hmm. when it comes to ransomware, you don't want to be paying it, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, right. Because we got to get that business model uh, destroyed. And if you are paying for ransomware, you... Uh, by the way, I, I, I had um, one embassy we've done. Uh, I, I can't talk which one, but we did a, a cybersecurity. Uh, we did assessment and all that. And they called us and they said, uh, we just had a ransomware 
Okay, mm -hmm. so we went back and we, we cleaned up everything. We told them, we trained them, we told them what to do and what to not to do. Right. right? Believe it or not, a month later, they had it again. Oh. <laughs> and I don't know. Like, <laughs> wow. Um, so, what, what do you do? What right. do you do with, uh, you know, with something like that? Um, so, but yeah, there are some uh, uh, basic, um, you know, cybersecurity hygiene that uh, organizations should be deploying. Right. And this gets into, you know, our, our organizations uh, targeting the right areas. So, so training, you, you highlighted. People don't think about that, right? And yeah. it's like to tell everybody, everybody who works there, um, everybody who has security access, it should yeah. be this continuous effort. It, it's not a one-time thing, uh, which I learned at the, at the government work. Uh, you, right. you have to continually reiterate it, right? Yeah. Um, that basic uh, cyber hygiene, like, um, insist of periodic password changes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, work backups, um, you know, install preventive software, viruses, and update all those viruses, right? Antiviruses, sorry. Um, so, so applications. Um, You've got to have a solid backups from the organizations, right? right Regularly right. scheduling uh, um, off-site data backups, you know, of organization. So where policies, do you see that? You have to review your policies every so often and, uh, uh, you know, how protected you are. And, and hmm. uh, preventive uh, software as well, making sure that, uh, you know, install cybersecurity software on all computers and regularly mm -hmm. review them. Last, uh, the least privileged access, right. um, that has to be reviewed and uh, make sure that, uh, you know, you have that uh, uh, the principle of least privilege, right? right? Give users minimum level of access or permissions. That I think one of the, on systems assurance, one of the things that, that you guys do is um, if, if I am going to bring a system in from the outside, I want to be assured that that has uh, that 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 technology is cyber secure. So that is that's a big area for, for organizations to invest in, yes. right? Yes, yes. We have uh, um, some clients that are on a regular basis are doing that, and when they are bringing, especially when they are doing the mergers and acquisitions, mm -hmm. and they are acquiring a, a company and of course products from that company. Um, they want to make sure um, uh, at the several levels, actually, uh, what they are bringing, they want to see how good that product is from the architectural perspective, uh, how secure uh, security architecture was uh, positioned mm -hmm. in the product. Right. So when they are bringing in, they know that. Um, how they would, because uh, they need to know uh, how much they would be exposed when they bring that new product, right? Through the uh, obtained through the mergers and, and acquisitions, uh, if they're exposed to anything. Uh, so, from that perspective, and the same way, if they are integrating with their own portfolio, right? Uh, when they integrate, how actually um, security, what's the security param parameters around that? Mm -hmm. and how to address that uh, and surfaces of attack and so on. So yeah, we have uh, some of those uh, organizations that are on a regular basis, our clients. So uh, one of the questions I, I raise, and, and this gets with many disciplines, um, uh, is um, at, at the underlying theme of the show, strategy execution, but at the strategic planning level, 
Um, do you think organizations have the right emphasis on, on cybersecurity at, at, from a, a, a top level executive perspective? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, the cybersecurity is buzzword now, and right. everybody wants to kind of do cybersecurity, but it's more checkmark than anything else. Right. I uh, hired a guy, and and he's responsible for it, and now I, I don't have yeah, to worry and, about it. Yeah, and they, they still see it as a, uh, as a cost. Mm. They don't see it as a protection, right? right? They just see it as a cost still. So um, as less I have to pay and just say I've done it, Right. I'm good with it. No, you are not. Right. Um, your brand, your reputation, uh, your services, you know, anything can be compromised this way. So um, we still have a lot uh, to do there. So any, any words of wisdom for the um, people listening, especially, you know, whether you're funding it or ultimately at the top of the organization or or, or you're a, a senior person responsible for cybersecurity, what, what would you tell those, those individuals? Uh, listen, number one, um, don't, don't treat risk assessment um, as a check mark, okay? Do thorough job. Uh, mm-hmm. Either hire reputable organizations, and when you do that, ask them, um, when they are doing risk assessment, how they are doing it, how systematic and comprehensive is, and uh, how uh, is there any uncertainty left when they finish their risk assessment? Is there any uncertainty left that there are more risks, but they did not succeed to, to uh, identify them, mm-hmm. right? So um, that's the biggest, biggest thing um, when they're doing this. So don't do it checkmark just, um, and it's not worth it. Um, the other thing is ask them about automation uh, when they're performing services, how much of uh, those services are um, human being interpretation, right? And how much of that is done by um, tools, automated tools, and what those tools produce and how it is utilized, right? Right. How objective uh, their their methodology is, Mm -hmm. how repeatable their methodology is. If they cannot repeat the same thing and get the same result every time when they repeat it, right? It's not, it's very subjective. Great, great uh, closing comments here. We're, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up for today. My guest has been Janana Kampara, CEO of KDM Analytics. We've been discussing cybersecurity, neutralizing threat risks. You can contact her at Janana, that's D-J-E-N-A-N-A at kdmanalytics.com. You can find material as well as a link to Janana's website, KDM Analytics homepage on my North Star radio show. Thanks for coming today, Janana. Thank you, Bill. Okay. It was great. And my guest next week is Dion Cutterman. We'll be discussing politics, culture, and sabotage, the roadmap to program failure. You've been listening to the North Star. I'm your host, William Ulrich. You can contact me by email, LinkedIn, or at my website. Thanks for joining me today, and I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to the North Star. Please join host William Ulrich for another edition of the program next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll continue our discussion on strategy execution then. 